Thanks for being with us this morning. I love how sometimes on Sunday morning it feels like kind of a a mini family reunion, kind of extended family that we also, you know, it's like a reunion that we also have uh, worship music and and, uh, Bible teaching from, right? So maybe that's normal in your family reunion, Uh, not for ours, but. Well, what we do here every week, um, it's pretty straightforward how we teach Scripture, pretty straightforward uh, since early this year, we've been studying the book of Luke. We sometimes stop and do, you know, you know, Easter season, Lent, sometimes we'll, we'll, we'll pause and do Advent. We stopped for a little while and kind of did a vision series, but, but we just, mostly what we do is we go through the book of Luke, we just hit the next passage, and although we don't hit every single passage in the book of Luke, it's still going to take us, uh, Liz and I estimated two and a half or three years to do it, which sounds about right because it's October, and we're almost done with Luke chapter 8, so we're getting there, we're getting there. But the benefit, one of the benefits is that we are getting to know Jesus uh, in deeper ways as we continually encounter him and his heart through Luke's stories. And today we're just going to pick up Luke chapter 8, verse 22, and I'll just start reading right here. One day Jesus said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side of the lake. Sounds like a bright idea. So they got into a boat and set out. As they sailed, he fell asleep. A squall came down on the lake so that the boat was being swamped and they were in great danger. Now, we'll stop right there. We'll come back to that in a moment, but that'll kind of get us started this morning. Um, picture here, Jesus and his disciples, they're, they're in a boat, and boom, this storm hits, which is very common on the Sea of Galilee, known for just sudden storms that hit the lake out of seemingly nowhere. It still happens today. And here's Jesus and his disciples, and most of, or many, I'll say many of his Disciples, they are actually professional fishermen, so these guys know how to handle a boat. They've weathered many storms, but this squall, they call it a squall, is a massive storm, even for them. Now, I started thinking, you know, we've had a lot of storms uh, this year already, just some crazy weather and hurricane season and and you guys know this, uh, today, uh, these days, when, when, when a storm gets big enough, um, it gets named. By the way, does anybody else think that's weird besides me, like naming a storm right after, after people, killer storms after the names of people? Um, so uh, I, I looked this up. Um, Tropical Storm Arlene was the first named storm of the year, so there you go, Mark Sarlene, you didn't even know, but now you know. Um, you don't look like a stormy kind of person, but you know, there was, uh, there was also Brett, there was Cindy, to me it sounds like more like a party than a storm. Um, uh, California almost never has hurricanes, but this year, September, anybody know the name of the hurricane that hit? Hurricane Hillary hit, and then Florida had already gotten hit really hard. Hurricane Idalia was huge. It was just big. But again, I come back to going, this idea, what it, like naming storms after people, I've always thought that's just so weird. Uh, in fact, here's what I learned this week. Um, for many years, that's not how it was done. A, a big storm, when it happened, wasn't named after a person, Years ago, it was named after the area that it hit. Um, Like like anybody ever hear of um, 
uh, Hurricane Phoenix, right? Yeah, no, it never happens. So. Um, but back in 1953, meteorologists started naming storms after their girlfriends and wives, which, by the way, this is why you never ask a weatherman for romantic advice, just, just saying. Um, like, I'm going, can you imagine, like if, like, if I was a meteorologist and I came home from work and I said to my wife, hey, babe, there's this Category 5 storm developing. It's going to damage property, probably, you know, maybe even kill some people. It made me think of you, so I called it Hurricane Heidi, you know? Don't you, don't you feel loved? And Yeah, so... Um, 1953, that's when they started naming storms after women. And then, finally, in 1979, um, we got equal rights for storms, I guess. We started naming storms both after men and women. Uh, the first hurricane, named after a man, I thought this was great, was Hurricane Bob. It doesn't sound very threatening, but that was the first one named after a dude. Um, that's right. I also learned in, in just the research here that when, when a storm is big or destructive enough, like Hurricane uh, Katrina, for example, years ago, that name gets retired, never gets used again. And by the way, some of you are wondering where I have all my time to do this research, and then you remember that I'm a pastor, so I only work one day a week, right? So <laughs> thank you for laughing. I do appreciate that, right? Um, but there you go. If you learned nothing else today, uh, you learned the origins of that, so you're welcome um, that's how naming <clears throat> storms got started. But on another note, um, unfortunately, some of you are maybe in a storm right now in your own life that you might be tempted to name. Some of you might say, I'm in the middle of a storm named divorce, or I wish I could get through storm depression, or if only I could get through this financial storm, this relational storm, or whatever your storm is. See, sometimes we find ourselves in the middle of real pain, intense pressure, and we just want the storm to go away. But as we discover in this story today from Luke 8, uh, this, this is important truth here, that when you are in a storm, it's important to remember Peace is not found in the absence of a storm. Peace is found in the presence of Jesus. Let's say that again. Real peace is not found in the absence of a storm. Real peace is found in the presence of Jesus. Now, today's passage here, Luke tells us about Jesus and his disciples in that storm back then. Look back on verse 22, one day Jesus said to his disciples, hey, let's go on to the other side of the lake. So they get in a boat, they set out, and I'll stop there. Did, did anybody notice here whose idea it was to get into the boat? Yeah, right, it was Jesus' idea in the first place. And, and, and if you're like, you know, many people, you might be thinking if this was you, you'd be like, hey, dude, I'm, if I'm in the boat with Jesus, the Son of God, this should not be happening, right? He should keep me safe. What the heck, right? Um, I, I know many Christians who have said something along the lines of, you know what? <laughs> I don't think it was supposed to be this way. This is not what I was told. But when I became a Christian, then life actually got harder is this false advertising, this Christianity deal. 
And I just want to tell you, um, that's part of why we don't advertise Jesus that way. Um, and in case nobody was clear with you, when you first started following Jesus, then let me be one of the first to just honestly say it. Um, just because you follow Jesus does not mean that you are exempt from the storms of life. So, look back at verse 23. As they sailed, Jesus fell asleep. A squall came down on the lake. The boat was being swamped. They were in great danger. Okay, so the disciples, they're scared to death. They're in danger. And so while they're scared for their lives, what's, what's Jesus doing? Yeah, he's sleeping, right? And, and actually, um, three of the Gospels tell this story, and it's like, wow, that's, that's three of the four right there. I think it's because they all had PTSD, so it really stuck. <laughs> but, um, but Mark, when he tells his version of the story, he adds this little detail. He's not just sleeping. Jesus is sleeping, anyone know? On a cushion, it says, right? <laughs> on a cushion. Um, uh, so, like, if I was one of the guys on the boat, I'd be like, uh, okay, Jesus, we're scared for our lives, but, uh, hey, Lord, I hope you're comfy. You know, everything good with you, Jesus? You like your little cushion? Because we're, we're dying over here, right? I think they wondered maybe what we would wonder here. How can Jesus sleep in a storm? Like, what's going on? Like, they're scared for their lives, and he's counting sheep? Like, 97, 98, 99. Oh, missing one. I got to go look for it. So, sorry, little Bible humor. Little Bible humor. Second service might get that. But, all right. Second service will, I'm sure. All right. But, but the point is, Jesus is sleeping in the storm. They're wondering, how did he get through sleeping through this? So, verse 24 the disciples went and woke him up, saying, Master, Master, we're going to drown. And again, Mark is even more honest about the response. He says it this way uh, in Mark 4.38. He says, teacher, don't you care if we drown? Like they're freaking out. Which again, just reflecting on me and maybe on us, like how do we respond when we are in the middle of a storm? Sadly, I think um, a lot of us, sometimes me, when it comes to God... I find myself, maybe you find yourself uh, being tempted to blame God for the storm, right? Um, or, or maybe we ask and question God, where are you, God? Why are you allowing this? I don't understand where God is in this storm. Like, hey, Jesus, don't you care? <laughs> See, we often freak out just like the disciples freaked out. But, but how does Jesus respond to the storm? Um, is Jesus freaked out by the storm? Is, is he surprised by the storm even? Is he like, oh my, me, I never would have guessed. <laughs> um, no, Jesus doesn't panic. He's never afraid. He's not surprised. And, and this is my kind of strong opinion here, I don't think that the reason that he's not surprised, it's, it's not because he somehow knew that he'd get hit, they'd get hit with the storm. Like, he's not surprised, but I don't think that he caused the storm. I don't think that he planned the storm. I don't think it was his idea to have them get into a storm, even though he had them get into the boat. And here, here's why. If you look at this next sentence here, verse 24, it says, he got up and what? 
rebuked the wind and the raging waters. The storm subsided and all was calm. So right here the text says he rebuked the storm. Now this word for rebuke is the same word that gets used uh, when there is uh, heavy conflict or spiritual warfare. And by the way, when we get to the next story in, in Luke next week, um, um, where Jesus has this major encounter with a man possessed by many demons, it makes even more sense that this particular storm that Jesus had to rebuke did have some spiritual warfare around it. Like I think, and again, we'll look at it next week, but I think the enemy would have loved to keep Jesus from getting across that lake to do what he was going to do to set this guy free. Now, we don't have time um, just even to clarify here to look at the reasons, all the reasons behind the why of this storm or the why of every storm, but but here, here here's the main thought here. Um, don't assume, don't assume that every storm is God's plan or is God's doing. Not everything that happens is a part of the will of God. That is not what the sovereignty of God means. Um, we live in a fallen world and sin impacts all of us until the kingdom fully comes there will still be things that happen outside of what God would will. And again, I could go on much longer about that, but um, again, here, here's the deal. So, in short, some, sometimes, sometimes we're in a storm, like this one, um, that maybe it's because there's some spiritual warfare involved, like this story we're looking at in Luke 8, um, other parts of scripture, uh, we're told that, that Satan prowls around like a hungry lion looking for someone to devour. We don't have to fear, though, but we do need to be aware. We need to stay, as Peter says, we need to stay alert. Um, so sometimes there's a spiritual warfare element going on that's maybe behind the storm or involved in it. That's one thing. Or sometimes, um, because by the way, it's not always the devil, because sometimes the storm we're in, um, is because of choices that we have made, or maybe other people have made. Um, like, you know, the financial mess that some of us have been in in the past, or maybe are in right now, that financial mess um, is not the devil. It might have something to do with, you know, running up a bunch of credit card debt. Um, I've had seasons where I spent money that I didn't have and indulged myself with things I could not afford. So those kind of storms, that's not on the devil. That would be on us. And, and again, there's no shame in this. Um, let's just sometimes remember, we make a bad choice, um, and the storm comes rolling in. Um, so, so sometimes it's the enemy. Sometimes that's our own choices. But no matter why a storm is happening... Uh, caused by human choices, spiritual warfare, or possibly, and I'll just say rarely, but sometimes, possibly God is behind the storm. Sometimes, possibly, again, I think rarely. Again, I wish I had time to talk more about that. But no matter the why behind the storm, hear me, friends. Peace, real peace, real peace is found not in the absence of a storm. Peace is found in the presence of of Jesus. P 
peace, real peace, not phone, because there ain't no storm going on, no, no. Peace is found in the presence, being confident that Jesus is right there with us. See, the presence of Jesus with you in any and every storm you encounter is what you are promised. And when we call his name, like the disciples did, we, we'll find, just like they did, that he's right there with us. Jesus, Jesus, help, help. Verse 24, he got up, he rebuked the wind, the raging waters, the storm subsided, and all was calm. Mark's version of the story adds this detail. He says, Jesus awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace, peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. Can you imagine in just a word, peace, be still, and it was. Why did they experience the peace in the boat? Because Jesus was in the boat, again, real peace. It's not found in the absence of a storm. It's found in the presence of Jesus. Real peace is not found in, in, in a trouble-free life. You will never have a trouble-free life. Following Jesus, like I said before, doesn't mean that you'll never have bad days. It's bad theology to think that being a Christian exempts you or I from, from storms, Take it a little further. Jesus himself said in John 16, verse 33, he said, In this world you will have what? Trouble. Thank you for that promise, Jesus. I'll hang on to that. Right? <laughs> right? In this world, he's saying, it's a, it's a given. You will, in this world, you will have trouble. That's a promise from Jesus, but this is a promise as well. But take heart, says Jesus, for I have overcome the world. Real peace. It's not found in the absence of trouble. It's, it's found in the presence of Jesus who is with us and has overcome it all. See, no matter what you or I face, time after time, again and again, over and over, some of us, you, you know from experience that Jesus is what gets you through the storm. You can say along with me that I know he's with me, he's right beside me, and as scripture promises, he will never leave me. He will never leave you. He will never forsake me. He will never forsake you, which brings a lot of confidence, I think, and it starts to nudge me toward peace, but I have to be honest with you. Um, like, I wish that I always got it right, you know? Like, a storm hits and, oh, I'm just going to react now because I've seen him do it again and again. I'm going to react with trust. Um, but can I just admit this to you? Um, no matter how many times Jesus gets me through the storms of life, far too often when the next storm hits, it seems far too easy for me to forget the presence of Jesus. Like, I know he's with us. I know he's with me. I, I know he always comes through for us and for me. But far too often when a storm hits, it's like all my memories of the ways that he's helped before kind of just like fade away. Like the noise of the current storm shouts so loudly that I forget to tune in to the, to the voice, to the presence of Jesus instead of the other noise. 
And I do know that when I finally do pray and yell, which he doesn't mind, when I finally even say something like, Jesus, don't you care that I'm about to drown? Don't you care about the stress that I'm under? Don't you care about the lies that person told? Don't you care that my family is in distress? Don't you care that our kids are in pain? Jesus, don't you care about the storm that I'm in? Don't you care? Because I feel like I'm drowning. And you know, by the way, we say this all the time around here. Um, Friends, God can handle your anger, your confusion. God can handle your complaint. In fact, did you know that if you can complain, (laughs) you can pray? (laughs) Some of you go, does anybody know how to do that? Can you complain? Anybody here besides me? A couple of us? All right, you can pray, right? Just read the Psalms. Psalms teach us that this is true. If you can complain, you can pray. See, God wants to hear from you, whether it's a complaint or a question or worship or gratitude or, or doubt. He just loves hearing from his kids. He wants to hear from you which I'm grateful for because I don't know, because um, if it was me, like if I was in that shoes and you know, somebody that I love said, you know, Doug, don't you care? Like that would be really hard for me not to take personally. <laughs> but thankfully, Jesus says, no, 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 you bring it all. You bring it all to him. You say it all, you pray it all, you come as you are. And when you get done with your lament, Um, Even if you are saying something as strong as Jesus, don't you care? Listen, listen, listen. He's not mad. He's not offended. (laughs) He's, He's not disappointed in you. He just wants you to come. Again, in our story here, disciples, they they wake Jesus, they yell at him. It says in Mark 4.39, Jesus rebuked the wind. He said to the sea, peace, be still. The wind ceased. There was a great calm. Next verse, Luke 8, verse 25. Where is your faith? He asked his disciples. He's saying, why, why, why did you doubt? Now, I would probably still be really stressed out about what just happened. So I might, you know... I might have said something like, why are we, str- why, why did we do Well, but Jesus, we doubted because we thought we were all going to drown and die and you were sleeping. <laughs> like, um, where is your faith? And, and, and I think that when Jesus says to his disciples here, where is your faith? He's not being cranky. I used to read it that way all the time. I mean, because if you wake me up from a nap, like, I'm cranky. Good luck, right? But, but. That's not true of Jesus. He's not being cranky. I think he's asking them this question, where is your faith? Where is your trust? Don't you remember who I am and what you've already seen me do? Like you guys watched all these miracles today. If you read the other two accounts, it says that they did, Jesus did all this teaching and miracles that same day. You saw me do all of that, and I think he's saying, I I know, I know you're scared by the storm, but don't forget, I'm bigger than any storm. Don't let the presence of a storm cause you to forget that I am present with you, and because I am with you, you have nothing to fear. 
Again, real peace, that's why real peace is not found in the absence of a storm. It's found in the presence of Jesus, and Jesus is more powerful. He's more powerful than any storm we would encounter, and so we need not fear. Now, that would be just a wonderful place, you know, for smart preachers to land the plane and be done, right? (laughs) End the sermon. But you guys know me. I, I just, I have one more pesky question that I can't dodge if we're looking at this passage. And so here's the question. Okay. Great. Peace. Wonderful. Glad Jesus was with me. Okay, but, 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 but what about when the storm doesn't cease and there is no calm? Like in this story, this, Jesus spoke and whew, it all calmed. But what about when the storm doesn't cease? What about when there is no calm, the storm is still happening? See, that's the question that I had to wrestle through this week. I mean, I do. I love it when I look to Jesus and oh, sometimes he just calms the storm, calms me down. And it can happen. It does happen from time to time. But, but, but like I said a couple times already, Jesus doesn't promise a storm or trouble-free life. Quite the opposite So when the storm keeps raging around us, then then what? I mean, maybe you're thinking about, like, even right now, the storms around you in your life. Um, I I did quite a bit of that this week. Uh, In fact, at one point, I stopped and I started to list out these storms, and they were mostly kind of small and medium-sized storms. But but when I added them all together, I saw this, I was like, wow, that explains why why sometimes it feels like one big storm, especially when almost none of those storms that I listed out were going away immediately, like they were going to hang around. So it's kind of funny, it's almost like this passage um, was intentionally what I needed this week to help me <laughs> look at my own stuff. So uh, like most weeks, uh, if, if some of it overflows onto you of what God was dealing with with me, then uh, I'm glad you're here. <laughs> um, but I, but I thought about my storms, and I'd love it if Jesus would speak to the storm, peace, be still, and whew, instantly everything calmed down, instantly it was all peaceful. I mean, just a few of the examples from the long list that I wrote this week. Um, like, I'd love it if Jesus would speak a word, and suddenly a giant financial gift for our church would show up and alleviate some of these unexpected facility expenses that we just are finding out about. That would be great. Um, or, or, or in my own family, um, maybe Jesus would just, I would love it if Jesus would speak uh, just a word and my dad's heart would be healed and bypass surgery would not be necessary uh, a week from tomorrow. Um, that'd be amazing. And I'm still praying for that. And I want you guys to be praying with us for that. Um, boy, I'd love it if Jesus would just calm that storm right down. Um, or in our own household, just our own kind of um, trying to figure out some things for what Heidi's up to with her real estate business. And maybe suddenly all these clients would come and, oh, that would just relieve some of those stresses for us. Um, wouldn't that be wonderful? Wouldn't that be wonderful? And I could list a bunch of places where it'd be just amazing to have Jesus speak a word and cause all the storms to cease. Like if there was physical healing for me and for you, wouldn't that be great? And I'm sure you probably have a bunch of areas as well. But I come back to that question again. So what happens when the storm is not likely 
to stop anytime soon. What then? Well, here's what I believe about Jesus. Here's the deal, friends. Storm or no storm, the presence of Jesus is with us at all times. At all times. Even when the storm has not passed. Like he never promised to instantly press a button and zap us away from our storms. He promises us his presence, though, while we are going through the storms. And so this question that's come back to me throughout my life over and over when I'm in a storm, and it came back to me again this week, was this. When I'm in that storm, will I look up and see more? Will I just take a little bit of time, get a little bit of space, and look for Jesus even while I'm still in the storm? See, you guys know how this goes, right? When you're in a storm, it gets right in front of our face, and it's all we can see, and it seems like it's all that's there. It seems huge, and lots of times it really is huge, especially if you've got a bunch of storms that are just clamoring for your attention. Um, so I'm, I'm not at all minimizing any storms that you are currently facing. Some of you have unbelievably big storms right now, financial pressure greater than I face, relational and, and other kinds of stress and disappointment far bigger than I'm dealing with right now. Depression and anxiety might be crippling you. Major physical or medical problems that you or people you love are dealing with, those might be huge storms, and all of those storms are huge, and so they dominate our vision. Sometimes it's all we can see, but the question remains, if we were to be able to look up, would we see more? Would we see more? It's still there. It's not pretending it's not there. It's still there. But what if we could step backwards just a little bit and try to find some perspective and look for where Jesus is, even in the middle of our storm? See, David invites us to see the truth that God is with us. One of the places he does that is in Psalm 16, where he declares this. He says, I know the Lord is always, always? Always. <laughs> always with me, he says. I will not be shaken, for he is right, where? Beside the Lord, friends, is right beside me. The, the God of the universe is right by my side, right by your side. Another place that we're invited to see this is, is through the Apostle Paul. He invites us to see the truth, that same truth that God is with us. When he writes to Timothy in 2 Timothy, chapter 4, he said, Everybody else deserted me. No one stood by me, but, but the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength, and I was delivered. See, friends, that's true for you, too. And, and some of you need to hear this in light of 
what you're going through right now, especially if you do feel abandoned. Listen, the, the Lord has not left you. He is still with you, standing by your side. He is giving you strength. He is there to deliver you. You know, friends, you can't control when a storm blows up. You can't control how severe a storm becomes. You can't control how long a storm lasts. You can't control what people say about you. You can't control what people do to you, but you can choose what you believe. You can choose where to put your focus, where to put your faith, where to put your trust. And you're not conjuring up the presence of Jesus through having enough faith. No, 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 no. Jesus is already with you. He's right there. Friend, the Lord has not left you. You can trust that he still is with you, standing at your side. He's our source of peace, and he's giving you strength, which is how we can be confident that real peace is not found in the absence of a storm. Real peace is found in the presence of Jesus. So then, he's right here. If we, if we could look up, would we see more? Could we even take a step back a little bit from the problem, not faking it or pretending it's not there, but just get a little perspective and start to wonder where is Jesus in, even in the middle of the storm? In fact, I'm just going to ask you to take two minutes with me right now, a minute or two, right? Just right now. Can you imagine? Can you do that? Just even close your eyes for a moment. Just imagine the storm around you, whatever your storm is, just imagine it now. Picture it as a storm. Yes, it's big and it matters. It matters. But now, just see yourself take a, in your imagination, just picture yourself take a step back from that storm to, to then look up for perspective. You might see more. Just for a moment here, take your eyes off of the storm that you can picture in your mind. And it's a storm that's probably very hard to take your eyes off. That's okay. But just for a moment, take your eyes off the storm. Just, just in your imagination even, just look around. Look for Jesus. Where, where do you see Jesus right now? Some of you, because of the way you're wired, maybe you see Jesus in your holy imagination. You see him right there with you now. And, and, and others of us, where that doesn't always come as easy, maybe you don't think you can imagine where Jesus is right away. That's okay. So um, let me ask it this way. Um, it, where do you think, if you were just to picture the picture of the storm in front of you and what it would look like to stand back, where do you think Jesus would be if he was with you right now? From what you know of Jesus, where do you think he would be? Just, just picture it. Maybe... 
Maybe he's sitting by you, standing by you. Maybe he's comforting you. Maybe he has his hand on your shoulder or his hand on your heart. to that picture, maybe even write it down because that's just one of the ways God speaks to us. Um, uh, if you can even think about where Jesus maybe would be if you could see him in a storm, just picture where that would be and just hang on to that picture. Trust, trust this truth though that he is with you. And if you don't see him, let, let me just help you here. Friend, you can trust what Scripture says. Scripture says this, that he is with you. He's with you. You are not alone. He's right by your side. You guys can open your eyes and look up now. Listen, I know that this is probably new to some folks, uh, but this is just consistent with the stories of Scripture. It's, it's part of why the, the characters in the Bible wrote down some of their experiences, like they're inviting us to find ourselves in the story of Scripture, to, to encourage us that God doesn't just want to relate to them back then, but he wants to relate to and interact with us right now. Like the, the story of Scripture, these aren't stories that are exceptions, they are examples. God wasn't just with David, wasn't just with the 12 disciples. He wasn't just with the apostle Paul or Mary Magdalene. Um, he was with them, but he's also with you as well. And his presence, his real presence is available to you. And that's why you can trust that real peace, it's all about who is with you. Because true, consistent, reliable Peace can only be found in the presence of Jesus. We're going to sing about that peace. And, and right now I'm going to ask the prayer team, would you head back to the prayer area and, and anyone else in the room? When we start to sing in, in a moment, I'm going to pray for us. And then when we start to sing, if you want prayer for anything at all, you don't have to wait till the service is over. You can stand and move as we sing toward the prayer area and receive prayer right now. So will, will all of you stand with me? Let's pray and then sing together. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you would do in the lives of those who are hurting today only what you can do, that you would bring what only you can bring. And friends, I just want to pause for a second even in the prayer and just um, as our hearts are together turning to God in prayer, um, I think there's some of us today who would say, you know what, I know someone who is going through a storm right now. Or maybe you're going through a storm right now you need or you know the person that you love needs the presence and the peace of Jesus. And if you, you are that someone or you know someone, would you lift your hand up right now? Would you lift your hand up and, as an act of surrender before God and to pray for that person that you know that needs the presence of Jesus or for you yourself? 
Just lift your hand on up as we pray together. Yeah, Jesus, there are so many people that we know who are hurting. Some of us are hurting. And so I pray that you would help us to be sensitive as your church, to reach out, to care for other people, to represent your love, your presence, and minister your peace to them. God, especially for those in the room who we um, are hurting, would you remind us that you are working in all things, even working in, in things and through things that we wish were never happening. So I pray that you would give us a sense of your presence and a supernatural peace, even when the storm rages around us. Give us peace, God, in the midst of every storm. Amen.